1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. Today's Attacking Third podcast is presented by Sonos Beam, the premium smart soundbar for TVs, movies music sports gaming and more stay tuned for additional details about the sonos beam in today's show on this episode we have an nwsl playoff preview we will be taking a look at chicago red stars versus new jersey new york gotham fc and we're also going to take a deep dive into washington spirit versus north carolina courage but a quick reminder to follow us on twitter at attacking third you can also Head on over to our YouTube page and hit subscribe so that you never miss a new video, an interview, or whenever we go live. Plus, you can catch great extended NWSL highlights. So head on over to YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. Hit subscribe. The playoffs are here. Lisa, are you ready to talk about
0: it? Sandra, I'm so ready. I am so happy that the playoffs are finally here. We get to preview the quarterfinal matches, two of them. It's an extended playoff this season uh, for the first time in the NWSL. The top six teams make the playoffs first two spots, number one and number two, get advised. That's Portland and OL Rain. So they are not playing this weekend, but we have four other teams that'll be taking the field in two matches on Sunday. I'm so excited to talk about them and I'm excited to get your picks. I want to know who you have going through because we haven't discussed it before we started recording.
1: You know, I'm excited about it too. I I love that uh, there is an expanded playoff format this year. I think uh, it was always one of those, Um, ambitious like benchmarks that the league wanted to hit for so long since its inaugural season in 2013 it was always top four teams and now as the league is sort of finding itself kind of currently level at like an even number of teams at 10 and they're looking ahead to, to future expansion for 2022 they decided in 2021 is when they were going to expand the playoff picture a little bit, so it's it's very exciting to to get onto this podcast and to be able to talk about the first ever quarterfinals that'll take place in uh, in, in NWSL history. So uh, I, of course, I'm excited um, to to get the chance to to cover. Uh, one of these games in a local capacity because this first one that we're going to get into right now is going to be uh, taking place on Sunday. It's going to be Chicago Red Stars versus New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. It is the number four seed versus the number five seed taking place at Seat Geek Stadium. You can catch that on CBS Sports Network at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Lisa, it just sort of feels like whenever you people, I think, look at those numbers when they see like the four seed and the five seed, there's something about. When those two seeded type of teams kind of go head to head, they're always like uh, something unpredictable could happen right within within that type of scenario. But when we're looking at it specifically in an NWSL lens, uh, I don't think it's cliche or unfair to still kind of draw that parallel. Uh, These are two teams that kind of played each other very narrowly uh, during the regular season when we when we had to come on here and talk about their regular season matchups, there were some scoreless draws. There was a very uh, narrow one zero win for Gotham that uh, came by way of a, of a poor penalty uh, from Chicago red stars. uh, And that gave them ultimately the head to head tiebreaker. So I, it's funny to look back maybe a little bit at some of these regular season matchups and looking ahead to this quarterfinal match and knowing actually, these two teams are going to be uh, facing off and going head-to-head into this quarterfinal, and they are definitely not in the same places where they were while they were meeting during their regular season matchups.
0: That's exactly what it is. You can't look at every little detail that has happened so far in in the regular season and take that as as a blanket statement because there are so many different factors coming into this, and the fact that Gotham, even when you, you look at them on the surface level, they could have clinched Five or six days before they actually clinched a playoff spot, they like they just kept themselves on the edge of their seat and on their toes. At the end of it, um, ultimately clinching. But yeah, I, I love to see a four and five matchup because um, so close in the standings and so close in, in the season overall. Depending like how you really look at how this shook out, and the final weekend of regular season set the tone for how these playoffs are going to be tight. Anything can happen, and really. It's up in the air, I think, for a lot of it.
1: Let's take a look maybe at like recent form, right? For both of these teams, respectively. Uh, you've got Chicago Red Stars uh, heading into these playoffs on three straight wins. You've got uh, Gotham heading into these quarterfinals and three straight draws. Uh, different scenarios. I mean, either way, I mean, they could both maybe look at that as a positive and say, hey, we're heading into these quarterfinals undefeated. Uh, but in terms of actual form uh we've been seeing a little bit of, of different looks uh from these teams uh in in re- in more recent weeks uh let's maybe start with the visiting side and this one uh lisa because i know you you know you were actually in the call for for some of these games right when it was when it came down to to this very sort of compact final week for for Gotham FC and uh just sort of getting a, a, a Bird's eye view, really, of, of mm-hmm. their attack, their their midfield, uh, their their defensive unit. And um, you know, there's been a lot. We could take a look at them and say that there's actually been a lot of pretty strong individual performances. Obviously, somebody like Margaret purse maybe sticks out the most uh for, for the two of us going on a ridiculous uh run in, in the month of October, coming out with player of the month honors uh because of her uh, attacking ability and, and what she means and does uh for and provides to the team uh i believe if it, people can feel free to, to stat check me on this but i believe they've only lost one time whenever margaret purse is on on the pitch and it, it just echoed very very loudly uh it was so evident when she was gone you know out for injury for an extended period of time they struggled a little bit um you know in in her absence and her return in late September kind of spearheaded this very very strong uh uh, month of October for her and essentially helped propel this team to to where they they needed to go but it doesn't just just end with her on on the back line they've made some adjustments as well
0: right Lisa yes uh I think When we look at Gotham overall, and you mentioned the back line at the start of this regular season. So if we can all try to remember way back when to May, before the Olympics, before the finals, it's been a really long season. um, Gotham was the team to beat defensively because they were letting up no almost no goals. They were going on the road and winning or tying all of their games. They hadn't lost a a road game their first like 10 matches um they were all winning them on the road and it really came down to the defensive unit for gotham at that point in the season um now i don't think it's as much of a a talking point when you look at gotham and that's the beauty of a really long season there's ebbs and flows of a team and strengths and the rhythmic patterns of players and and personnel on the field that come together at different points Um, and i think that having the olympics throughout the summer broke up the season and broke up teams a lot for the middle of the summer because they were missing chunks of players from their team due to the Olympics and the international window. So because of that, you really have to just look at the final few weeks of the regular season. And like you mentioned, Gotham is coming off three ties in all three of those ties They scored goals. It was all three one-to-one. They also let up all three goals in those three matches. Um, But it's an eight-game unbeaten streak for Gotham. And they're scoring goals. So those are two really big positives when you look at this Gotham side. Um, The last five matches, they have scored first before their opponents, and then they let up goals. So I think that says something a little bit defensively now when you look at Gotham because, yes, at the start of the season, they were so – defensive and such a lockdown on defense and now their forwards are scoring goals three of those goals in the last five games um, came in the first half and and two of them came in the first 10 minutes Um, this is getting a little into the numbers and a little bit into the weeds and the stats here but i'm trying to make a point that when the first whistle blows for gotham it is game time they're scoring goals in those first 10 minutes and they're scoring goals first before their opponents Then after they score goals, there's something happening there where they're they're letting up a a goal defensively, maybe when that doesn't need to happen. And as a defender myself, I don't like to put so much pressure on the defense. Um, It shouldn't be that letting up one goal a game loses you a game or ties you a game. So the forwards also need to score more. I'm going to throw the double edged sword there out on that one. Um, But it. When you look at the front line that they have with Anamanu, Purse, and Lloyd up top, Lloyd has played much more centrally. She's, and she's not a high striker. She's not a high number nine striker. She drops back a lot into the midfield which is a different formation because then you have Anamano and Purse pushing up, going really fast and stretching back lines. And because of that, Carly Lloyd dropping back into the midfield and picking up balls, she can play diagonal balls to either flag and know she's going to hit one of her teammates. And that's where Gotham has found so much success getting in behind opponents' back lines. And oftentimes those quick transition plays happen at the start of the game when opponents haven't quite adjusted to how quick uh, purse and on first step is yes, running over 30 yards. They're really fast, but it's their first step that gets them away from their defender and creates that uh, spot of separation. Um, sticking with Gotham a little bit and they're in their back line, um, Amani Dorsey, she's been out. She was a namestay in the back line for Gotham for a long time, and she's been out and injured the last few games. Because of that, Elizabeth Eddy has slotted into the left back position. Uh, Caprice Didasco on the right side, who we know has gotten up the flank and sent crosses in. Elizabeth Eddy, she got an assist on a Carly Lloyd header last time out versus Louisville. So uh, for those that don't know, Eddie is traditionally a forward and, and Sandra Wright, she was drafted as a forward or excuse me, traded as a forward to Gotham to play forward, but they don't really need a lot of help in the attack right now. They're doing pretty well. Uh, So she slid into the back line and being that outside back position, it's your job to get up the field. I mean, with Caprice Didasco and Elizabeth Eddie on either side, it really becomes a two back or a three back with that, that's, Central midfielder sliding back, whoever is is at that moment in there, whether it's Ali Long or uh, Jennifer Cujo dropping into the midfield to almost become a three back for Gotham. And I think that's what's been really important, but also maybe exposing Gotham on the transition play because they don't have those solid defenders in the back all the time. Um, So I think that's interesting. I think that Elizabeth Eddy will get the start again. Uh, At this point, injury reports have not come out yet for these matches, so we don't know, but I'm going to figure that Elizabeth Eddy is going to start in that left back position. which I'll come back to when we touch on Chicago and that left-back position for Gotham. But that's that's really when you look at the lineup for Gotham and how they've been playing throughout this season. Those are the the moments of the field I'm really interested in. And then, of course, you have to look at the midfield battle, which so many games are won and lost in the midfield. And between Chicago's midfield unit and Gotham's midfield unit, there there can't be sloppy giveaways on either side because that's going to be the moment when the game switches and and transition happens. And those are the moments where – your opponent's going to capitalize no matter who it is. If it's Gotham's midfielders making that mistake, Chicago will capitalize. And if Chicago's midfield makes a mistake, that's when Gotham's going to capitalize. Um, so that's my little overview of Gotham right now before we even get to Chicago.
1: No, I'm into it. Let's We're taking the deep dives here. I mean, it's just two games. You know, it's just two games that we have on our plate. So we wanted to, you know... Get into as much of this uh, as possible, but you know I'm I'm in agreement with you uh, on the Carly Lloyd tidbit as well. I really do think that you know at this at this stage in Gotham's trajectory right now, heading into the playoffs. Um, if they're going to be successful and and go on a playoff run, that Carly Lloyd does probably have to take maybe a little bit more of a supporting role in that aspect. Uh, Being able to sort of be this Mm -hmm. playmaker who has the ability to stretch back lines and find these open lanes and pick out these seams for players like Margaret Purse, like Ifyoma <laughs> um, and still sort of be this kind of lethal target, right? We saw her in the season with a with a header, you know. Um, so, I really do think it, it could it could benefit Gotham in this one if it, if they have somebody with her experience able to just sort of kind of be that uh extra supporting role on there but I, I don't know if that's in carly lloyd's dna uh we'll we'll see what happens for gotham there i i don't know i mean i'm not too sure if i agree that this game's gonna actually come down to the midfield i mean because i'm looking at recent form and looking at some of these these moments in this kind con- very final compact week for gotham uh they, they just didn't get it done there were multiple opportunities where they had to just sort of be done with it and clinch their moment. Something even like a home playoff was still in play with them as well. And that just – they kind of shut the door on themselves for that. And, uh, you know, we had McCall's or Bunny, you know, on, on, on the show. And we ch- chatted a little bit with her on background and she feels like the team is, is in a good space right now. And it's like kind of like hitting the reset button, right? She's somebody with a ton of playoff experience. This is not her first rodeo when it comes to like a professional playoff uh, scenario. So but she is uh in agreement. She told us she said it's like it's like getting a fresh start. It's like a completely different, uh, it's a different slate when you're getting into these moments that anybody could sort of take it. So I'm in agreement with that, with with her. And but looking at the form of this there were moments up against specifically some of these Louisville sides where their attackers just ran through that midfield. Yeah. They just ran through them. So it's, if you, if you're look, you're Chicago and you're looking at recent tape, you're like, and you're, you're sure Malpew or you're Khalil Watt. You're like, well, let's just, let's just go. Let's just run at them. We'll, we'll, we'll see it. It's going to, it's going to be interesting, but I, I really do think, uh, Uh, You know, if we're looking at we want to transition a little bit to to Chicago side a little bit, uh, Lisa, their recent form. Right. Maybe there's similar arguments that can actually be made for both of these teams. Again, it's that number four and number five kind of seed talk, but uh, similar similar scenarios, I think, for Chicago as we're sort of analyzing. Uh, Gotham that we could look at with uh, Chicago. They're a team that have navigated their regular season. It didn't get the best of of starts, right? They kind of had a little uh, ups and downs going on in in the beginning third of the season and then really sort of locked things in for the final third of the season. We've heard so much about this team uh, and they've all echoed the same messaging uh, that it really was going to come down to this final third of the season for them. And when we had Tierna Davidson on the show, She echoed as much. It's all the same messaging that's coming out of that locker room, quite frankly, just talking about that. That's what it is. It was, uh, it was going to be getting the job done when you're supposed to be getting it done. And it was during this window of time. So having them going into, uh, their home quarterfinal now, uh, having earned that uh, and sort of going in on three wins, even though they're like, three narrow kind of results, that's something that they've got to be feeling good about. And I think it's actually probably the closest picture that is most reflective of what this Chicago Red Stars unit has been in 2021 as they have sort of Floated around from maybe being there like, was like a, there was one day in the regular season where they were like number one, right? And then it was like, yeah, and then it was like, like
0: half a day, and then it other. was like half a day, and
1: then it was like, oh, it's like now you're kind of a, a middle tier table, and now you're you know still fighting for, for a, a playoff spot. So it's it's been uh, that's kind of been like their 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 mo, like sort of who 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 they've been. So looking at this final three games. It's this sort of reliance, right, on this very strong organizational defensive game plan that sort of just sees their attackers just go out there and run, and that is what we have seen in terms of like some of the tactical stuff uh, for for Chicago. It's like they have very. Calm, cool, collected, confident, organized defenders. Uh, And they have very, very technical, quick, athletic forwards who, in somebody like a Mal Pugh or somebody like a Khalil Watt, who have been able to just find themselves uh, cutting in on a run into these boxes or through the wing. So I'm a little curious as to. You know, but you're echoing, it's like, where can we really see this game be won for either side? For is, is it going to be in the midfield if both these midfielders kind of find themselves maybe canceling each other out a little bit since they're both kind of very experienced midfields? Is it going to come down to the outside backs, which, quite frankly, both of these teams have really good <laughs> outside backs right now and really, really good form? And like we're talking about, Lisa, if the injury report is pretty steady or clean for for either of them that could come into play too. These were, these were teams that were navigating some injuries right towards, towards the end of the season. So there's a lot of question marks there, but if, if Chicago and Gotham sort of have their uh, what are the, could be their most in form or or what we've seen in their most in form kind of starting 11s that, this is might be one of the more unpredictable games, right. Of, of, of the two games this this weekend.
0: It really well, maybe um, when you look back at the history between these two squads, they started in, in May, beginning of the season, a zero, zero draw, uh, July 25th. Um, so right in the thick of the Olympics, Gotham won two to one, but both sides scored in that match. And then most recently, September 4th, a zero, zero draw. So two games, Closing out 90 minutes in a zero zero draw. I think that says a lot about these sides too, how, how they can sit back and be defensive and and honestly play those mind games a little bit with their opponents. Um, so when you key in on Chicago and everything that they've got going for them, coming off three straight wins um, and just one loss in the last nine games, um, and in those last nine games, they've scored 12 goals. So they're coming into form in their forwards position and forwards positioning and finding that momentum. And even head coach Roy Dames spoke about that a few weeks back, saying that he's found what's worked in the front line. He's found Mallory Pugh and Kaylee O'Watt, Katie Johnson, really, she's been a namestay up there in the top, but also rotating in Rachel Hill into that front line. Line, um, It's working. He found it. It's clicking. It took a little while. It took time for each individual to get up to speed and to be consistent in their game. And then once that happens between all of the forwards, then it's finding the consistency among the three of them. And that really has started to click over the last few weeks. Um, we've talked about Sarah Gordon a lot. She became an iron woman. So playing every single minute of this regular season. And that's a feat that Players have achieved before; it's not that outrageous. However, it's really important to note that there were so many other players coming in and out around her throughout this this year and this regular season. She was not alongside Tiernan Davidson the entire season, who left. Davidson left to go to the Olympics. Um, and and the biggest thing about Sarah Gordon is that from the start of the season, she wasn't. She pu- she always played in the back line, but she would rotate between outside back and center back. Um, because she was a little bit of a liability when she was at that center back position, because she would give up plays or it would be small mental lapses that would give up big opportunities for the opponents where her goalkeeper would have to make a big save towards the second half of this season. She's only been playing center back because she's gotten so much more consistent over a 90 minute game. And she's no longer having these tiny mental lapses. And as a defender, If you switch off for one second mentally, not physically, because Sarah Gordon is fast and she's fit and she can track anyone down. But if you switch off mentally just for a second as a defender, that's a chance for your opponent to score a goal. And Sarah Gordon has not done that in this second half of the season. She's been consistent in her mental consistency and focus over 90 minutes for every single game. And that is what is really, truly impressive from Sarah Gordon. Um, uh, Looking at that defensively, and, and I talked about the forwards and how they need to score a little bit, the defense also really, really has to start with Chicago's front line. And I know they try to do this every game and it's the press and the counter press and finding that balance in when to attack your opponents and when to not. But if Chicago wins the ball back higher up the field, it's less ground for their midfielders to cover. And Chicago's midfield is very good, but they're very technical, which is a good thing for Chicago to have. However, when those players get a little bit tired because they're putting so many miles on their legs, their technical ability, it doesn't lack. They just use less of it, and they get rid of the ball quicker. So I prefer when Vanessa DiBernardo and Daniel Colaprico in the midfield play technical and they can beat a a defender, beat a second defender, and then distribute the ball towards the end of the game. If they've been running and chasing a lot, they're more tired and they're getting rid of the ball quicker. So because of that, Chicago's forwards need to be really smart in their counter press and they're defending as soon as they lose the ball. So the midfielders behind them don't have to chase as much and Chicago can play more of that technical game in the middle of the field and dominate over Gotham for a longer period of time. Um, Last point before we move on for this one, when we looked at, when we looked at Gotham's lineup, I mentioned how it'll be Caprice Didasco on the right side, outside back, and it'll most likely be Elizabeth Eady on the left outside back position. Rory Dames looks at this lineup for Gotham, um, and he knows how Caprice Didasco has played very consistently, getting up the flank and sending crosses in. He's going to let her do that and let her play that game. But when you look at Elizabeth Eddy, that's where Chicago is going to key in on. So every time that Chicago is or that Gotham is building out of the back and Elizabeth Eddy gets the ball, you will see Mallory Pugh, Kaylee Awad, and, and whether it's Katie Johnson or Rachel Hill, the forwards up top, they will squeeze in on Elizabeth Eddy and force her to either play long or turn the ball over. So that's really what's going to be key is – If Chicago forwards can trap Elizabeth Eddy as soon as she gets the ball on the flank, squeeze her into that corner and that side of the field, and then the midfield can pick off the passes. Um, So I think this game might honestly be won and lost on the flanks. I know we talked about that midfield and maybe it being canceled out a little bit. Um, A lot of this game will be played in the middle of the field, but I think it'll be the middle of the field on the flanks and who can pick up those passes and who can pick up those ball there. Find a quick point switch Switch the point of attack, go down the other side, and then try to get crosses in and, and use their speed up top. This is that's what it's gonna come down to. Quick transition plays and finding your speedy forwards getting in behind.
1: We're gonna close this out. Uh we are gonna close this out with, with picks. We didn't forget about that. We're gonna keep that energy going uh in, in our in our playoff episodes, everyone. Uh but before we do, I would like to to do something else really fun as we go into our picks to go along with our picks. We've been talking a lot about all the areas of the pitch. So we've been talking about the front line. We've talked about the midfield extensively. We've talked about defense. Uh, the defenses for both of these teams. So let's take a look at each line. I want you to give me a player from each line that you think is going to have like a breakout game. And it could be Ooh. for for either team. So I'm not going to ask you for for six players, just who you think is going to have like a, a lights out kind of game in the playoffs or should have a big game in the playoffs.
0: Uh, so looking at Chicago, Um, I I want Mallory Pugh to do, to do big things up top for them. Um, I really do. It's, it's hard because I want to say mid first too when I look at that front line for both sides. Um, but I think it'll be Mallory Pugh. I think she's getting more confident in her international play and with the national team. Um, and knowing that January camps are around the corner, not that Margaret purse isn't thinking about that as well, but I think for Mallory Pugh, um, this is kind of like the epitome of the the point of the season for her. And this is the top of the mountain. And if she can close that out uh, for Chicago, that would be huge. And I also think that Chicago doesn't put a lot of pressure on her as an individual and they kind of just let her go and they let her play her game. And if she doesn't score a goal, it's not like, come on, Mal, you really got to score. It's like, Hey, you did great. You had an assist. You defended really well off the ball. That's all we need from you. And the less pressure you put on Pew, the better she will do. Um, Midfield, I I think it's got to be McCall or We talked to her and she seems so calm, cool, and collected, but she needs to have a big game and she needs to be the defender that breaks up plays for Chicago and a lockdown defender, but also head up, finding passes, finding Lloyd's feet. Um, Defender, this is going to be so tricky, but I'm going to go Caprice Didasco. I, I have been on her all season, getting upside, getting up the flank, sending crosses in, um, and she's been a little quiet the last few weeks. But I want her to turn the Jets on again and and be that Caprice Didasco unstoppable force on the flank for Gotham this weekend. Sandra, I need to hear your lines. I you know I think
1: I think it's good that we're going to just stick with like the the three players and we can go either way. But I think um, I think just a, just a. Piggyback off of you, since you chose Chicago forward. I think I'll choose a, a Gotham forward. I, I think we we absolutely have to to circle Margaret Purse. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just so evident the second half and the impact that she had for this team in her return uh in September and sort of the run that they went on. uh it, Honestly, it was it was it, there's a real what if there. I think around Margaret Purse, had she not. Uh, picked up an injury, uh, maybe we would be having a different conversation about her. That was more, uh, a, a much stronger case maybe for, for MVP, right. But not having all of the, the games. Um, uh, so right now in this second half, she's, I, I don't disagree that she's hundred percent, probably the MVP for, for this Gotham side in this, in this second half in this moment. Um, so I think that uh, if they are to be successful in the playoffs, she absolutely has to, to continue to kind of come up big and deliver. Uh, I think for sh- the midfield, I'm going to go swing the way of Chicago. I think Morgan Gattrall's got to have a, a lights-out game uh, for Chicago. I think it a, a, whatever happens in the midfield for the Red Stars will absolutely live or die with Morgan Gattrall, and that's been pretty evident this season, uh, uh, similar to Purse probably mm-hmm. – one of those MVP candidates of the team uh, for for the Red Stars. Uh, so no matter who they've slotted in, whether it's been a Di Bernardo, a Waldmo, uh, a Colaprico, as, as the rotation has happened because of various injuries uh, to their their midfield core, uh, Gatra has sort of been that that consistent uh, a player for them. So whoever, it doesn't matter who you're lining up alongside her, she has been the, the way. So I think she's got to have a lights-out game for Chicago in, in the midfield. And uh, for defense, you you and Gotham, so I'll, I'll go Chicago as well. Mm-hmm. I think Sarah Gordon's the Iron Woman, right? There's going to be a lot of eyes on her and what she can do and what she can bring Uh, and how she can sort of help lead and keep uh, that that back line organized uh, in in a playoff role like this. And this is going to be a playoffs where she's going to be in the center back position, right, and kind of hold things down and not so much in the outside back position. And that's going to be a little new, too. So I think she's got to have a lights out game as well. Who is going to win, Lisa, because there cannot be a draw in this one. It's the knockout rounds.
0: Who are you picking and why? Uh, I have Gotham. I'll give my pick first. I, I have Gotham winning this based on their ability to score goals first and early. Not that Chicago can't do that, but we haven't seen it as consistently as we have from Gotham. Um, and I think that Gotham coming off three consecutive ties where they could have won and they could have put the game away and they didn't. I think they have that that nagging thought in their head that's like, put this game away early, get it done with, get two goals in the first half, lock it down defensively in the second half. Um, so I'm going to go Gotham on this one just because of their ability to score goals. And uh, they've scored goals against Chicago. They have they have the, the head-to-head in the Chicago-Gotham tiebreaker for the regular season. Um, I'm going Sh- Gotham.
1: I feel that I, you know, I, you know, where I'm going to go with, but I'm going to tell you why ironically, ironically, (laughs) it's for a lot of the similar reasons that you've just listed. Only I'm going to be going uh, Chicago's way. I actually think, you know, this is NWSL playoffs. So Mm -hmm. I think unlike the challenge cup, there's possibility for the knockout round to have extra time Uh, in the event that there is. And it's not just straight to penalties. I really do think that this could be a game that could go into extra time. And I do think that that's where Chicago could, could win it quite frankly. But whether it ends in regulation, whether it ends in extended, extended time, I think this is going to go uh, Chicago's way. Just looking at, yes, those regular season fixtures that they had against each other, but also recent form. These are two teams that are not scoring tons of goals. <laughs> right now at the moment. So it is going to probably come down to maybe who gets it, gets that that goal first. When it happens, I think, is going to be crucial. And I just think that Chicago has the edge a little bit right now when it comes to recent form on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that might benefit them uh, in the home field uh, in this type of match. So Lisa's going Gotham. I'm going Chicago. The winner of this match, whoever it is, will go on to face Portland Thorns FC on the road on November the 14th. So it'll be an exciting one. We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. The NWSL playoffs are here. I'm lucky enough to attend the Chicago home playoff match this Sunday, but you know, Lisa, I know that you're not. Uh, you know, we'll eventually get you, you a team. The league will work on getting you a team in Philly soon enough so that you can attend a playoff game someday in person in your home market. But with the Sonos Beam, you won't even notice that you aren't in the stadium. You don't even need to attend a match in person to experience that playoff match vibe with the Sonos Beam soundbar. It truly feels like you're inside the stadium on NWSL match day. The best is during NW. All after dark matches, we know how crazy those games can get. But this is the playoffs, so let's stick with that. If you take the Sonos Beam, you can turn on the Sonos uh, Night Sound. This feature automatically turns down the sound effects. So when the commentator starts screaming because there's a great goal that's about to happen and then they don't score, I don't get all my hopes up because a goal is happening. But uh, whatever it is, I do it all with my Beam. And if I'm moving around my apartment, not just sitting in front of my TV, watching every single second, I can change the volume up, down, all the settings right from my Sonos app on my phone. The ease and the convenience is really top notch, and I just can't imagine the NWSL playoffs without it.
0: It really makes the whole playoff scenario and, and playoff experience that much more premium. Um, yeah, very very lucky and excited to have the Sonos Beam.
1: Keep it, keep it, keep the energy. The volume is up right now for this episode because it is the playoffs. We've got one more to get through, Lisa. We got to talk about it. It's number three. Versus number six, Washington Spirit versus North Carolina Courage. The winner will go on to play OL Reign in this one. This match is going to take place at Audi Field for the home side, of the Spirit, at five thirty PM Eastern Time. This one you can catch on Paramount Plus. Lisa, we have to echo some similar scenarios here that we were doing with with Chicago versus Gotham. You know, these two teams during their regular seasons had some battles of their own. But the spirit, this team, full of sort of this young core, right, going up against an experienced North Carolina side, a team that has always sort of been in, always been in the mix of, of NWSL playoffs and other various NWSL titles. Uh, they kind of played with them toe to toe, and they took away some results uh, against this this North Carolina Courage side. We we got to chat a little bit with Aubrey Bledsoe, the goalkeeper of the spirit. We got to chat a little bit with Lynn Williams of the North Carolina Courage. And again, just sort of echoing those same things. This is the playoffs. It's the reset button some of the some of the the regular season fixture stuff kind of goes goes out of the window. And I mean, geez, at one point during this final stretch, right of the regular season, the courage found themselves having a root for the spirit in order to be <laughs> able to clinch that n- final number six playoff seed spot. And so now, here these two teams are going into the quarterfinal, of the NWCL playoffs, and now they have to go head to head. It's the first time for North Carolina courage, Lisa. The first time that they have gone into an NWCL playoff and they are not the number one seed. It'll be interesting to sort of see how they continue to navigate that. And then for the Spirit, this is this is their return. You know, they they are not a team that are you know unfamiliar to an NWCL playoff, but it has been a little while. Uh it's been since 2016. It's the last time the Spirit were were in the NW playoffs, and really the last time. Uh, that they made a championship finals the first and last time they made a, a championship finals um, uh, appearance. I'm sorry. I think it's just the last time I think they did it in 52, but uh, you could feel free to the stat check me on that. I don't mind it's that. All right, We're allowed to make mistakes here. We're just human. People. I mean, it's like, you could do it. I don't, I don't really care. Let people let me know. Uh, it's uh, it's exciting because when you take a look at those little bits of history, right. Courage with the more recent playoff experience, right. This spirit team, not so much the same case, but not only that, they also don't have, they, they don't have a ton of players who were part of that 2016 roster. I mean, we can maybe point, point them out. It's Tor Huster, right. For, for, (laughs) for Washington, uh, for Washington spirit and for North Carolina courage, there have been a number of players who have been playing together as teammates who have gone on to these sort of knockout scenarios and aren't unfamiliar with uh, having that sort of playoff pressure. Uh, But they're going on the road, they're going on the road and they're going to, to the DC area And this uh, playing at Audi field is is not a place where they've had a ton of success against the spirit side. And while we're talking about recent form, we got to maybe give that little bit advantage to the spirit, I think. Right. Don't we, Lisa, in this one?
0: Yes, I, I think so. I mean, these two squads between Washington and North Carolina, number three versus number six, um, which is a different look for the Courage. As as you said, Sandra, they're usually number one. They're usually top dogs coming into it. And really the irony that North Carolina Courage and Lynn spoke about this in our interview with her, go check it out if you haven't, it's on our YouTube page. It's fantastic that in the airport, Lynn and all of her courage teammates were sitting there watching the Washington Houston game and cheering for Washington, cheering for them to score goals. She was like, When Trinity Rodman scored that goal, we went nuts. We were celebrating that's hilarious because then come a week later in just a week's time, you now have to play against that competition. I mean, I guess they all scouted Washington pretty well because they watched that game against Houston and, and they were cheering for those moments when they did get the ball and do well. So, you know, how Washington can attack. Um, but let's, let's take a trip down memory lane for these two squads. Um, July 10th, Washington beat North Carolina Courage 2-0. Ashley Hatch, she got had a brace in that game. So that was when we started to see the magic of Ashley Hatch really coming into form. August 29th, it was a no-no draw. Uh, so no one in that match coming away with the win. And then October 13th, Washington coming away with another win 2-1. Goals from Trinity Rodman in the 39th minute. And Speck for Courage got one in the 60th minute. And then Rotter closed out the scoring for Washington in the 70th minute. So Courage did come back in their most recent match early in October. Um, after Washington scored first, the Courage were able to get on the board, which I think says something a little bit because um, it, it's hard to come from behind and score goals and and do all of that hard work. Um, when we look at the team, Washington Spirit, and what they have. Ashley Hatch, she scored a brace against this team and she became the golden boot winner of this regular season. But Washington is on a six game unbeaten streak. And in their last four games, three of them had multiple goals in them. So the spirit is not just scoring goals and and winning games um, or or going unbeaten, but they're also scoring multiple goals in a game, which is huge, especially against a game uh, against a team like North Carolina Courage that Hasn't really scored a lot of goals this year. When we're, we're speaking historically, North Carolina has been a team that is very offensive minded. They score four or five goals a game, three, four, or five goals a game. They let up one or two, but it doesn't matter because they're putting up 20 some shots a game and four of them are finding the back of the net. This season, not so much. They're only putting up about seven, eight, nine shots a game. And even then, they're only getting one on the board. So defensively, North Carolina has had to rely a lot on their defensive abilities this year, which is something they're not really used to. Uh, Sticking with Washington a little bit here, four shutouts in their last five games. I think that is a huge stat, especially against a North Carolina Courage team that hasn't been putting up as many goals as they would have liked to this season. Um, this matchup, I'm so excited for because looking at at lineups in the back line um, and, and knowing that uh, Washington's back line has faced a little bit of injury and a little bit of players coming in and out and rotating around and Andy Sullivan being a little bit injured, who plays that defensive midfield position for Washington Spirit, she needs to... Be 100 in this match against North Carolina. She does. There can be no ifs, ands, and buts about it. If she's a little bit nicked up, she has to play through that. In my mind, I don't. I don't know if she is. I don't know what's happening there. But you have to play through that, and you have to help your team get this win. Um, you talked about the playoff experience for Washington. I think being players that don't know what it's like to be in the playoffs, and and really kind of having this monkey on their back based off everything that has happened on off the field this season and really trying hard to separate that from what's been done on the pitch, heading into these playoffs, they don't know what it's going to be like. I think that helps them. Honestly, I think for Ashley Hatch and Ashley Sanchez and and Trinity Rodman, they're forwards up top who just need to score goals. I mean, I, I make it sound so simple, but that's all they need to do. That's all they need to focus on right now. And I think that when you come into a playoff match like this against courage, a team that is really good and really strong, they can be dominant in their attacking presence in, in what they need to do. Um, so this is this is going to be a fun matchup. I don't think it'll be as tight as the Chicago game, Chicago versus Gotham. I really don't. I think it'll be a little bit more spread out and even. But um, I mean, we'll we'll have to wait until Sunday to see. But that's my take on Washington and and what they have to do. It needs to be a big game from Andy Sullivan, um, and they need to use their speed and their strength and their intelligence and and their soccer smarts in the attacking end to be creative and get shots on goal.
1: No, I'm with you on, on so much of that. I I think you, you look at Washington Spirit right now and you, and you take a step back and look at them as a whole through the, through the regular season. And they absolutely have one of the most exciting front lines right now. They have got, they've got young, likely candidate, the rookie of the year candidate in Trinity Rodman, Ashley Sanchez, who's having no sophomore slump at all, absolutely contributing uh, in that attacking third. And you've got Ashley Hatch, who walked away with, with 10 goals this year and, and, golden boot honors. I don't think you look at that and say that that's a sl- <laughs> Anyone on that front line is a, is a slouch. Um, but it's, it's exciting for sure. And I think when you sort of compare those front lines, I think maybe, based on form and recent form, you give that edge a little bit uh, to the spirit. But a thing I don't, I don't know. A thing I think that we're not maybe talking enough about, I do agree with you that this could be the game that's going to have the goals, which is a little contradictory into what I'm actually just going to say, but because of a phase that I think we're actually not touching on a little bit and I'm not really seeing a, a lot of others maybe touching on is that this actually could also maybe turn into like a real goalkeeper battle yeah. as well. I'm loving yeah. the individual goalkeeper matchup that is going to take place that we could possibly witness in this quarterfinal. You've got Casey Murphy in net for North Carolina courage, and they've got Aubrey Bledsoe in net for Washington spirit. Bledsoe, who we were so thankful to have on short notice on the show ahead of the playoffs to talk a little bit about that, but 11 clean sheets for Casey Murphy for North Carolina courage. I mean, and and here they are finding themselves not as a number one seed, but, in the playoffs. Aubrey Bledsoe with eight clean sheets of of her own. And honestly, for Bledsoe as well, just to sort of hone in on her a little bit, a part of of that attack. We've seen some really, we've actually seen some really fun team goals out of this spirit side, which is the, uh, which is the other part of the attack. It's like we're seeing, yes, there's some, there's been some exciting uh, quick finishing that that has happened from, from these front three, but there've been a lot of moments where there's been some, some good buildup and, and Aubrey Bledsoe and the back line are part of that at times when they're able to, to have possession and retain possession and be able to sort of play through that possession. You know, Bledsoe is a goalkeeper. That's got, you know, over 80 percent of a success rate on on her on her passes. And that's going to that's going to come into play if the spirit are going to stick with this, you know, this this position uh, based style that we have seen them sort of walk through and navigate through through the regular season. But that is going to be an angle that I'm actually really excited to see. I'm Mm -hmm. absolutely excited to see these two goalkeepers sort of. Tape up the gloves. Get in. Get on out there and sort of maybe come up with some some highlights uh, in the, in this quarterfinal. I would not be shocked if the goals do eventually come in this game, but perhaps they come a little later because I do think that each of these goalkeepers will get tested in this match uh, for sure. So let's let's do this, Lisa. Same scenarios as we were closing out uh, that that Gotham and Chicago game. Let's do the same to close it out here for the spirit and for. Uh, North Carolina Courage. Give me three players uh, across each of the lines on whichever team that you think has to have a lights off kind of game or a big performance in the quarterfinal.
0: So defensively, I'm going to go with Casey Murphy in goal for North Carolina. Um, I'm just throwing her in that back line. She is a defender and she is the last line of defense uh, for for the Courage. And you touched on it being a goalkeeper battle. And honestly, this will come down to a goalkeeper battle. She's going to have a lot of Different style shots to stop against Washington when it comes to breakaways, when it comes to long distance shots from their midfield, when it comes to crosses into the box and and Ashley Hatch trying to get her head on the end of the ball. It'll be a lot of different things coming at Casey Murphy, but she's going to be the player that steps up big and does those things Um, in in the midfield. Andy Sullivan, I, I said it a little bit earlier She needs to be on 100%, 90 minutes of this game, no mental lapses, defensively breaking up plays, and then immediately turning that defense into offense, springing her teammates wider, using up the entire space of the field, also combining in the attack. That's the beauty of a midfielder. Um, And then uh, up top, I'm I'm honestly going to go with Jess McDonald. Um, I'm going to key in on her a little bit because I don't want to – I don't want to talk about the normal forwards in, in Rodman and hatch and, and Williams Sanchez. Um, I want to focus on Jess McDonald because she's a player that does so much work off the ball defensively. And that's what she needs to do in this matchup uh, against Washington. So it's more so what she does off the ball and then winning it back, springing at Lynn Williams forward and combining with Williams up top. But Jess McDonald, Andy Sullivan and Casey Murphy for me are my three players.
1: I love that a lot. I think I'm gonna echo similarly. I think for for defensive side, I am looking at the goalkeeper, but I'll go with, with Aubrey Bledsoe in this one for all of the four reasons that we mentioned uh already. In the in the midfield, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna go North Carolina. I think the Bina has to have a big game for this North Carolina current side. Again, we're talking about the things that that uh that these players have been going through and really that's another thing that we have to touch on a little bit right now. And I'm doing it right now is that both of these teams have had to deal with off the field things throughout this entire uh, season. And that has at times, you know, perhaps affected their play on the pitch. The players have gone on record so much and saying as much that it has. So here they are in the playoffs. Hopefully this can be a a bit of joy for both of these teams and somebody like Debiña. Absolutely is the key to that midfield without somebody like a Sam Mewis in tow. So she's going to have to have a big one and be recovering on defense when she has to, mm-hmm. and involved in the attack and setting up uh, playmaking for North Carolina, and for for the front line, I am going to go with one of the big three of the spirit, but I'm going to go with Trinity Rodman. This is going to be her first uh playoff in a very in, in a professional capacity. Everybody is speaking about this player as a lock for for rookie of the year and she had a very very impressive uh season in in front of her. But there have been times this year where we have seen this young player get easily frustrated mm-hmm. on the pitch and there's nothing like a pressure cooker when it comes to a playoff scenario, so I think she is going to have a challenge in front of her, and I think that she has to show—that's the thing that she has to, to to show. That she's like, yes, I'm rookie of the year. Watch me ball out and yeah. not feel the pressure in this type of match. So that's who I'm going for in terms of pick. You went first, Lisa, I'm going first this time. I'm going to go with the spirit on this one. I do believe they've got the full package. They can, they can get things done in 90 minutes against North Carolina courage. I think it's going to end 2 one. I'm going spirit. How about you?
0: Oh, two, one. You even gave us a score line. Um, I honestly think the spirit as well. I, I do. I know for the sake of the podcast, maybe I should go with courage, but I have to stick with my gut and I want to be right at the end of all of this. Um, so I'm going to go with Washington spirit to win this one, too. I think they just have a little bit more momentum at this point in the season and, and North Carolina just doesn't. They, they barely squeaked into the playoffs as it was.
1: All right, we'll see what happens. Let's close it out with our Raising the Bar segment. It's time for our Raising the Bar segment. Thanks to Sonos Beam, where we get to highlight a player or two that is really elevating their game. Now in the playoff push, it's more important than ever for individual performances to be consistent and strong. We get to maybe choose two other players in this one, Lisa. So go ahead, hit us.
0: My player is going to be Ashley Hatch of the Washington spirit forward for them that has um, won the golden boot. And so she knows how to score goals, but also every opponent knows that she knows how to score goals in Washington Spirits last four games. She scored three goals. She had a brace against North Carolina earlier in the season. And I think that plays a factor into it. When, when you've scored goals against a team um, and you know that you can do it, you already have that confidence level. Now it's just getting it done. So um, Ashley Hatch is my player of, of the weekend that needs to be on her game and needs to be scoring goals, needs to be doing her job correctly, especially with the Spirit. Um, And I know I picked the Washington Spirit to win over North Carolina, but it's honestly going to come down to Ashley Hatch and what she can do. Because against Casey Murphy and goal, she's a big shot stopper. So Hatch needs to be very, very creative. I want to see a little bit more deception from Hatch. We know that she's been working on her shot selection and shooting the ball from distance, um, getting into those tight spaces, losing her defender. But now is, is the time of the season in the playoffs when it can all come together and explode on the pitch in a really good way for Hatch.
1: I'm also choosing an attacking player. I'm going to go with Ifeoma Anamanu for Gotham FC. I know I chose Chicago to take this one, but I think she is going to be a big, big player in this piece. People are going to be looking at names like Margaret Purse. They're going to be looking at a big legend legendary name like Carly Lloyd and Ifeoma Yoma Anumanu has been consistent for this Gotham FC side all year she's collected goals for them racking up eight getting mixed up into that golden boot chase very very late to the season and also the assist of bringing them up and serving them up to to her teammates when she has been able being that extra option or making that extra pass for somebody else to sort of break things open for that Gotham FC set. I think if they want to have a breakthrough, I think if they want to advance, I think if they want to have a successful playoff run, she's got to be a big part of it. And it's got to start this weekend. So I'm going on Manu. I want to thank everybody for listening and joining us today in our supersized playoff preview. We're excited and we can't wait to take more deeper dives into games in the future. I want to remind everybody that you can follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast show. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question, we'll answer it during our mailbag segment, and we're also available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash attacking third. We will We'll be back with a recap of the NWSL quarterfinal for you all on Monday. Get excited for the NWSL playoffs. For Sergio Ritta and Lisa Gomez. this was Zachary
0: Every sport has their big juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has...